Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94, between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also serve as clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Rashi Kosla, founder and CEO of Mars Solutions Group, a talent solution group in the Milwaukee area. Welcome, Rashi. Thank you, Heather. Glad to be here. That's great. I'm so happy that you're here and being able to share more about the work you do. We were able to um, meet at a seminar that you gave, uh, a talk you gave to a a networking group that I'm a part of, um, and you shared a bit about your history and about some of the programs that I would just love to be able to dive in for um, our show today. Mm-hmm. How about you start with telling us a bit about your um, your background and kind of what brought you to where you're at today and how you lead your, your group? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, started out in technology. You know, actually, even before that, um, I did not go to school for the work I do, and that sort of like ties back to what I do today. Um, I relocated to U.S. about 25 years ago with a degree in marketing and realized that there were no jobs as a, an immigrant dependent um, on my husband's work visa. And at that time, working was so important to me that you know I started training myself in technology. So I'm self-taught in technology and so grateful that my life journey uh, went the way it did because this is what I was born to do. I essentially found my passion um, sort of forced into learning something that I wasn't, you know, I didn't go to school for. And I use that message now with my kids and everyone is, you know, it it can happen at any juncture of your life. I was 24 when I discovered technology and and haven't gone back. Fast forward, I did um, start working in technology, climbed the corporate ladder pretty quickly. I was in a a leadership role at a very large uh, corporation locally here and um, had kids and realized that I wanted flexibility. Uh, And I still wanted to keep my career ambition just the same way. So um, it was really hard to understand. And this is, you know, back roughly 15, 16 years ago when we did not openly talk about inclusion or how corporate environments were, you know, sort of designed for male workforce. Doesn't mean that women weren't successful, but just uh, I was in a highly male-dominated teams, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and I didn't know how to sort of ask for certain inclusion aspect, and no one was intentionally leaving me out either. It's just how the culture was, and so I had this real struggle of saying, if I stay here. Um, And in order for me to accomplish my career ambition, I'll have to give up a lot of my family time. And I wanted to have both. I was very naive. And I quit and um, launched a company called Mars Solutions Group. And Mars is actually an acronym. So at the time, I 
really honestly didn't even know what I was going to do. Um, I was reading this Rich Dad, Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki and had like this huge influence of wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to be a mother, have a technology background. That was in the mix, except um, everything for me at that point was driven off of a family. And mm -hmm. Mars is an acronym. So M is Mona, A is Alicia. Those are my daughters, and they were uh, four and one at the time. R in Mars is me, Rashi, and my husband, Sapan. So for me, I was going to figure everything else out, but that name made sense. Um, and so launched Mars, found entrepreneurial success in a very unconventional way, stayed true to my why because I wasn't asking to work less. I was asking for more flexibility, and I was able to create that for myself. And um, so, and even today, Mars's culture is all about family life balance. The harmony actually is a better word because uh, every it's different for everyone. I just love that story about how you named your mm -hmm. group yes. because it is what mm -hmm. what we have to bring with us the parts of our life that yes. are most meaningful to us and to bring mm -hmm. your family in mm -hmm. and be able to have them with you for everything you do professionally mm -hmm. that's that's really amazing yeah and it helps dictate the culture of our our company because you know as an entrepreneur you evolve like i my vice was my family but now my girls are much older and that no longer is the why that i you know i mean it it is still at the core of it but then it does sort of influence the culture at Mars. So everybody that works at Mars, we call ourselves Martians. And, uh, you know, <laughs> their work-life harmony needs are very different than mine. So to me, it's become um, about that legacy now. So mm -hmm. when we define what Mars does, you know, it's a culture first, people first company. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and we've stayed true to that sort of aspect of how you could start and, and run a successful company, but your code and your purpose needs to go back to, to that why, because it's a great reminder for me, and that helps me attract the right sort of employees to the company, and, um, you know, as long as our why is aligned, we're all successful together. Core values are so important mm -hmm. to the culture of a, right. of a firm, and you want to have people that feel comfortable exactly. and feel respected and valued mm -hmm. and supporting that flexibility and like you mm -hmm. said their why and bringing their own mm -hmm. their own needs and their own priorities and and a lot of that does revolve around family for everybody right or however you define family yes yes exactly yeah good that's great mm -hmm. so so speaking of some of the different things that your company does mm -hmm. do you want to um, share a bit about that absolutely so uh mars is a talent solutions company and uh, we do three different things. I use an acronym ACE, A-C-E, and you know it sounds cheesy, but we ACE Talent Solutions. And <laughs> um, A is attract talent, and that is talent acquisition. We're a staffing company at the core of it, and uh, for that, we compete with a number of different staffing companies in the area. So our, our core purpose is to attract and hunt the best available talent for our clients, and we serve a lot of Fortune 500 companies in that space. Uh, so that's all about talent acquisition, or we call it attract talent. C is create talent, and what we realize, especially in the area of technology, is um, hunting the talent because technology changes so quickly. Hunting's not enough. You do have to do your own farming for talent as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of companies now you know, are almost realizing the value or the imperative there is with building diverse set of teams. And 
uh, you can't do that in a traditional attract and hunt model. So you do have to create some non-traditional pathways to bring much needed diversity to technology workforce at least because they're not, you know, you're not getting that type of talent through your traditional talent pipeline. So that is our create talent and we run a program called Returnship uh, that's focused on women getting back into workforce in, in that space and I could talk a little bit more about that. Um, and then E in ACE is uh, regardless of whether you hunt for this talent or you farm your own, you do have to keep your employees engaged. And uh, we have a tool which is uh, primarily data, a little bit AI driven that helps uh, gamify, sort of makes it fun to do rewards and recognition, um, which traditionally could be very antiquated and we're trying to like, make it more fun and social media type uh, platform to do so. So oh, we use it for our Martians, yeah. That's wonderful. And you have that as a service you provide to other, yes. other employers that are looking for something like that? Absolutely. So we um, build the tool for our own. So we use it for our Martians because a lot of our consultants are out in the field that we don't really get to meet or see every day. They could be anywhere uh, in the country. So it was primarily for that purpose. But then we've uh, extended it to be its own product. It's a SaaS platform. And uh, we do sell it individually as well and provide it as a bundle service too. That's great because that mm-hmm. really is, um, again, having your employees feel appreciated mm-hmm. and recognized and in the way that mm-hmm. so many work, um, like you had just mentioned, out in the field or working remotely. Yes. It's not as easy as it was many years ago right. where everybody sat at their desk and everybody was in the office. Mm-hmm. We needed to evolve for flexibility, use yes. technology. And then also still with that mm-hmm. culture aspect and being able to retain employees mm-hmm. is the, you know, engagement's one of the key pieces yes. to that. Yes, absolutely is. Yeah, and Ovation, this tool's called Ovation, and it's, uh, you know, you can give ovations to each other or you could receive Ovation, you could redeem them at the store. So at a basic level, there's just uh, ways to kind of give kudos to each other, but uh the bigger purpose is to perpetuate that culture in a remote or virtual environment where you aren't, I mean, it's never going to replace the human contact, but uh, have that choice or ability to create that sense of uh, virtual community. Is mm-hmm. And then whatever the culture may be for your company or group, you could build a reward and recognition framework around that. You know, what you choose to reward is not something we dictate, but uh, you're able to kind of set that up in, in the tool. So. No, engagement's, um, I think, a big component of building teams, and so mm-hmm. that, that sort of makes it complete for us. Yeah, depending on the size of a, of a mm-hmm. firm, or maybe even not depending on the size of the firm, having a tool like that can mm-hmm. be really helpful because it takes some of the pieces that you'd have to put together yourself, mm-hmm. you know, having your... HR department, you know, or your human, um, your human capital department being able to spend mm-hmm. time on really growing employees instead of some of the, yeah. um, like, administration of a rewards mm-hmm. program. Absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah. Well, how about we take a short break, and when we come okay. back, I'd love to hear a bit more deeply about the Returnship Program. That sounds great. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is Rashi Kosla, founder and CEO of Mars Solutions Group, a talent solution group in the Milwaukee area, who we've just been talking about her journey, the evolution of Mars, 
And what we wanted to talk about now was really, Rashi, for you to tell me more about returnship, which is a fairly unique and very specific um, program that you run. So mm-hmm. if you want to take us through um, the background and, and what returnship is. Yeah, no. Uh, so Heather, just tying this back to uh, part of the journey that I shared with you where I was uh, faced with a choice between my career and family time and um, I chose to quit and become an entrepreneur and that is highly unconventional not something that I would uh, I shouldn't say I wouldn't recommend but it's it's a, a little <laughs> tougher of a route and um, so I found that success but then through my journey or years, the early years of growing Mars, what I would come across many, many women. Now, again, these women were my friends. They were in my network that uh, would have the exact same choices that they were facing. Mm -hmm. And in many, many cases, they quit the work to raise their kids or followed their husbands to relocate or, um, you know, uh, visa situations. There were many, many cases where women had actually taken break from workplace. And mm-hmm. and these women were in technology, um, a domain which, once again, the technology changes very quickly. So if you're away from a mainstream workforce for two or three years, it's really hard to come back because you have to upskill yourself. And many times these women would do that. Um, but the hiring process on the other side, so when you when you're ready to come back to workforce, they would normally just apply and uh, find out that their resume would get zero attention because mm. uh, especially in technology, the recency of work experiences is important. And, um, uh, you know, there's just sort of an explicit bias if you haven't worked in a while because employers really honestly didn't know how to engage that sort of a workforce. So, and I would come across at least a uh, few of these women through just my normal running of Mars a month, a week. And, and I uh, started to mentor them. I started to coach them. Uh, and I realized in that process, it wasn't just always the skills, because skills are easy to acquire. You could go to an online course and learn mm-hmm. the latest version of a, a programming language. It was more them believing in themselves that was lacking. Uh, so what I started to do was just actively get engaged in it and use my network with employers. So I would make personal phone calls and, and get uh, you know, when, I, when I'm able to bypass that resume process and say, listen, you have this opening, trust me, you want to talk mm-hmm. to this person. And uh, when that happened, and you didn't have this step in between of like, what does the resume tell me about Heather, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the magic happened. And uh, these women not only 100% of the time went back to workplace, and they were able to climb that ladder pretty quickly so that encouraged me fast forward so I kept doing this on the side it was just a passion project uh, come COVID year it became a little bit more of this uh, you know I, I wanted to scale this because then the access wasn't limited to people that knew me mm-hmm. or access wasn't limited to handful of managers that I could make the phone calls to right sure. this wasn't uh, going to be a program that I, I could scale just personally uh, so the idea of returnship came And the returnship is just a play on the word internship because through my learning, what I found for these women, it's just um, the employers are willing to work with this pool of talent, but they want some hands-on experience. So we created this bridge, and it's called Returnship Program, where we take these women that are now willing to come back after however long of a break they've had, uh, we we put them in cohorts of, you know, uh, different 
technology tracks that we're trying to upskill and reskill them in many cases because the gap is so wide that you almost have to start over. Um, but give them that applied learning, hands-on experience, and then in turn say to our employer partners, listen, this is a service we're providing you. Mm-hmm. They're no longer um, a pool of talent that hasn't touched a project in a while. We've given them a limited experience, sort of an internship on that. Uh, so that is what returnship is. It's a pathway to employment for anyone that is returning to workforce that has been away from it in a very broad sense. Um, it does help with gender diversity because majority of our returners are women, but it's not limited to that. We mm-hmm. do typically have male returners that are 10 to 15% uh, representative of our cohorts. Uh, so that's in essence what the program is. That is really um, fascinating to me, and I am interested mm-hmm. to know more. How does how do the cohorts, cohorts like work? Yeah. What, do they, what do you do when you're a part of a cohort? Yeah, so it starts um, from recruitment and, uh, you know, Word of mouth, a lot of we uh, engage in a lot of social media channels. We, we want to reach uh, the, the pool of talent that actually belongs here. So that is the very first step. In fact, we launched our 12th cohort yesterday. And increasingly, a lot of the um, returners that are attracted to the program are through word of mouth, alumni engagement and such. But um, it starts with applications. And we have a roughly around 10% acceptance rate, and that's primarily because the returners that we take in were limited to some certain tracks that we could train them on. And um, um, so it's it's that, and it's expectation setting. We're not going to do a technical interview with them, but we do want to be able to do an aptitude test. So we, we put these returners through screenings like that, where we could essentially figure out the baseline for where um, their potential is versus Mm -hmm. what I've done recently. What could you learn? And then um, program is rigorous. Many times we end up with women that that have a three-year-old, four-year-old at home. They feel like they're ready. And then when we start to like, and I always, you know, I do a session with cohorts and I tell them this is going to be harder than your real job. But Mm -hmm. it's also a test of are you ready and are you able to, because, you know, kids would do, uh, they emotionally blackmail you. I mean, you suddenly, (laughs) we've had women that are like, oh, it's just after three weeks, they're like, my kids are telling me, mom, you're not spending time with me. I'm like, yeah, no, of course they are. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And this is part of that that journey to come back Mm -hmm. stronger into the workforce, too, because I can imagine sometimes women mm-hmm. re-enter they do find a way to re-enter mm-hmm. and haven't gone through that mm-hmm. that work to see if they're if they're really ready mm-hmm. so in a way you're you're like you said it's a test but that's actually more successful for them they haven't gone to a job mm-hmm. gone through all the things yes. to start a job yes. you know only to maybe not it not to work out in the way they yeah. wanted it to in the end. Yeah, and we want to be graceful in that situation. So we do allow them to drop out of the program mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, first few weeks of testing through it. If this isn't for you, I mean, that's not large enough time to accommodate any change in your life, but this is a change. And it uh, so we, we built the program where you have to, it almost mimics a enterprise situation where you come in, we run our projects in an agile fashion, they take turns being project managers, scrum masters, um, there's assignments, so you're actually studying and working on a project. So it's actually harder than when you actually go just to the work mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, uh, so, so interviewing and then the cohort alone, we have, obviously we have tracks that are 
highly technical where, you know, we have data um, analyst track, we have software engineering. We also do custom cohorts as in clients come to us and say, we don't really much care for your curriculum that you're teaching them, but we like the program. But here's what we struggle with. Here's a, a you know area of technology or platform that we would like you to impart training on. And so we're able to do that as well. But um, overarching all this is we want to give them hands-on experience, but we're so fortunate that um, so many of the area employers and women resource groups at companies are engaged with, um, you know, mentoring our cohort members. They come in, they share their uh, professional journeys with them. We actually have a lot of successful returners that come and talk and share. We call them Friday Fireside Chats that people come and talk, the uh, volunteers come and help with mock interviews. So this is like a holistic package where skill building is just one part of it. We're building confidence. We're giving them networking skills, professional skills, and, and many times even health and wellness coaching. That's amazing, right? Because mm-hmm. you you can imagine, or I can only imagine, you mm-hmm. know, being out of the workforce yes. because of, you know, just changing your priorities and, and for the mm-hmm best possible reasons you know yes. whether it's your family or a, or a job relocation for somebody in your family mm-hmm. um, I can imagine that you might get some returners that have had to take time off work to care mm-hmm. for aging parents right absolutely you know yeah. with kind of where things are at um, mm-hmm. with the amount of, of of work that 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 can be and the amount of mm-hmm. important work that can be yes right um, let's take a short break, and then we'll get back into some more of the of the details. I have all sorts of other questions for you. Sounds good. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group, and my guest today is Rashi Kosla, founder and CEO of Mars Solution Group, a talent solution firm. So we've been talking about some of the different programs and projects that you've worked on based on your experience and what you've experienced yourself and what you've seen in others in your in your network and community and family. So returnship being what we were most recently talking about, um, you mentioned, you know, there's cohorts, which are small groups of, you know, participants, mostly women returning to work and some men, I know... Yeah. We have, you know, obviously there's um, different reasons why you un- leave the workforce. You know, men stay home to take care of their families as well. Um, when when I was thinking about this, like how many people are in a cohort? Because I can imagine how much they uplift each other and challenge each other and boost each other up and give more confidence while working together. Yeah, and, you know, that's uh, a great question, Heather. That uh, So... As I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, we launched our 12th cohort. And uh, up until now, I think we've graduated close to 100 returners. Wow. Um, and, you know, we enjoy a pretty high graduation rate. I mean, it's up in upper 80s. So we do have drop-offs and people that realize that's not for them. Um, and then return to work is sometimes through us or uh, our returners find their jobs themselves, so so there's that that percentage as well. But in terms of you know the size of the cohort, we we try and uh, respond to the demand. We don't want to have a whole lot of people come go through program and uh, and the demand at the end of it doesn't exist because for us it's a two way street. We're creating this talent and and producing this, but we also have this huge task of educating and partnering with our employers to mm-hmm. uh, you know there's usually a desire 
to work with this program, but it's so different. And sometimes there's a tendency to think of different as difficult, which mm-hmm. it isn't. Um, they're so used to working with traditional talent pipelines and and, and we go in and we say, well, you keep doing that. You know, you're never going to uh, completely replace how you hire today. You, Many uh, organizations, without calling it returnship, do engage with returning uh, individuals. They do train from within. So there's so many different ways in your resource strategy that you could attract talent to yourself. Um, we're coming in and saying, let's augment this because there's always, always shortage of good tech talent. There's just mm-hmm. not enough Uh, that's being produced in your traditional four-year talent program to meet demand even locally, let alone nationally, right? So there's that huge gap. And then there's um, data that suggests that if companies are ethnically diverse or, um, you know, they they outperform their competition by up to 30, 35%. So there's Mm -hmm. this huge move towards creating these diverse teams. And I don't mean just racial diversity of all kinds, right? You need, uh, like, for instance, our cohort um, is typically from 30 to 45 years of age. So so you're bringing uh, back this talent into workforce. That's a different age group than Mm -hmm. what you may be able to get through your uh, traditional talent pipeline. So the, uh, the sizing of our cohort is really directly proportionate to the demand that we're able to generate and the education that we're able to impart and uh, for last, since we've started, it's been actually pretty consistent, except this year the economy has been, um, you know, there's just been in, there's been fair share of technolo- uh, technology workforce layoffs that would impact program like ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for sure, that's temporary. We are still producing the talent with, with pretty similar run rates as we've done. But we've had cohort sizes of over 25. Wow. I mean, and I mean like tracks. Mm-hmm. And then um, within those tracks, you could have like, seven or eight people doing certain things. And, and then we also have partnerships with other companies where what we were finding as we started doing this is a lot of times um, there were tracks that weren't necessarily technical where returners would come and say, well, I don't know if I want to learn this new technology, but I want to work and I want to be maybe a PM or a, a testing analyst, which are like tech adjacent roles, not sure. technology roles. So we'd reach out to some partners to actually provide that training. So as a returner, you'd still have access to everything that our program does, but the core training we might farm out uh, because we're not a specialist in that space. Sure, sure, but uh, still having that as part of this, how <laughs> how people can return to yes. return to work in yes. a very meaningful mm-hmm. way. And I think um, again, you know, one of the first things you talked about was the flexibility. Yes, I think so many companies are realizing that mm-hmm. we we just need to have flexibility. I know, mm-hmm. I know. Here we have a lot of different pieces mm-hmm. that can be flexible you, know, you can choose a work from home day mm-hmm. um you know with you can kind of set different you know hours within within some kind of guidelines to get mm-hmm. the work done but it's how you're gonna again have people feel respected and cared about and listened to yes. Yes. um you know and 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 when you were talking about your cohorts and having a variety of different Mm-hmm. types of people, mm-hmm. right? Different backgrounds, different experiences that they've gone through on their life journey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where you can get more creative ideas. Yes. And like you said too, you've have the where the studies show that there's just an overall more success. Mm-hmm. And and you know, however you define success, the the studies, you know, certainly have a, a definition of that. Mm-hmm. But even at, when you think about a um 
just a cohesive team that can grow to care about each other. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that was your previous question, and I got uh, off tangent, but uh, so it's the beauty, like internally, when we're talking as a program team about our cohorts, and we've had cohort, I mean, at the end of the day, these are human beings, and when you're in a, a corporate environment, the work, there's conflicts, there's uh, all of that that goes into creating a successful team, and that doesn't mean you fully, you know, uh, create it with like-minded people because then that's not a very performing team. You want right. that diversity. So so we've had uh, cohorts where people have really helped lift each other and, and you know, gone out of the work, like outside the, the program and just created this everlasting bonds and um, stayed friends. And we've had cohorts where we've had to say, well, we'll we're probably going to have to do something about the mix of the people here because they're all, so I mean, we're also learning and evolving on how best to create <laughs> these diverse team that can right. uh, co-op. I mean, but, but that's no different than any actual work team that you're going to end up yeah. in. Um, so it's fun. It's, um, and we do a lot of things that are actually, you know, we'll do happy hours with them. We mm-hmm. actually encourage our returners and this is hard for them. Um, two two weeks into program, they have to have an elevator speech about themselves because they get asked that a lot. You mm-hmm. know, tell us about yourself. And then we um, force is a wrong word, but it's almost like that. We're like, get out of your comfort zone, go attend a networking event. So we, you know, usually would publish all of the events that are outside for networking mm-hmm. and just showing up. I mean, it sounds e- it's still a learned behavior for me. I'm not, you know, I don't walk into a networking event and own it. It's just still something right. I adapt and learn. But um, for them, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the beginning, we'll just, you know, hold their fingers, hold hands and take yeah. them with us. But we require that in our program now. And and it is something they're going to have to face mm-hmm. every time they walk into a new meeting or walk into a new department at, at their job mm-hmm. to have to, you know, get to know people. Yes. And I think that that is something that can build confidence. I think we all come mm-hmm. with our own um, lack of confidence in certain areas or all yes. areas, right? right. And so right. learning how to mm-hmm. talk about yourself in a way you know, that's mm-hmm. not self-deprecating. It's not yes. starting with the worst. Yes. Start with the best. You're the one that knows yourself the most, and we right. have to be able to have that better light on ourselves. Yes. You know, and I think when when you are trying to do something new, um, especially in a career situation, in a talent and workforce situation, that's really important. So I'm yeah. glad to know that you do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a big part of, like, the non technical skills development that's the core of the program but I feel like you could pursue a, a certificate course anywhere just to be reskilled upskilled it's right. everything else that's the holistic component of this program that uh, we hear time and again in terms of testimonials from our returners as well as from our clients is uh, is that you know confidence building even you know we'll have sessions on how to create your LinkedIn profile and mm-hmm. we help them build their resume. So there's that whole aspect of return to work that uh, that sort of what was lacking. So so it, as an example, when you're going through the program, um, so with, you know, when, when these returners create a LinkedIn profile and all of a sudden now there's a mention in there, there may be a gap of two years, three years, right? You could be homemaker for that. But now that you sudden you say in there, well, you're a software engineer or a consult, data consultant with Mars Solutions Group. Mm-hmm. All of the sudden, uh, there's headhunters, there's other recruiters that are 
starting to now send them messages and that build confidence and yeah. and it's just mind-boggling to me is that nothing's really changed at this time it's that recency <laughs> of you know they're not yeah. job ready yet maybe many of some of them are but others are still kind of going through the mm-hmm. program and they suddenly think this magic switch turned on and and it's just the fact that you display that you're working now and that helps build their confidence further too um, but it's just the attention level changes overnight right right you know what I think is um Interesting, based on what you just said, was the different pieces, right? Mm -hmm. The LinkedIn profile, the mock interviews, the actual technical training, the networking, Mm -hmm. some of those different soft skills or or self-promotion in a way, Mm -hmm. right? The confidence building. Having it in one program, Mm -hmm. in the way that you've described it, it's that comprehensive where you can get all those pieces to work together. Because certainly... Mm -hmm. People can go and get all those different pieces segmented from watching YouTube videos or taking certificates. But to really have this more intentional, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we see like even here with our financial planning, really being able to be intentional about what you look at and how you look at it, making sure all pieces are working together um, is really what what drives the the plan and it's going to drive the success. Yes. Yeah, and it's, you know, at the end of it, it's gratifying for people that are volunteering with the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's amazing how many times we get actual returners that have been successful and they make make it their mission, their uh, mentoring. And and we do do provide uh, an outside Mars mentor for each of our returners as well so that they could have that career guidance. So uh, mentorship's a big component and we're very thankful to the community at large just just to be able to do that because it's their personal time that they dedicate. That's Um, great. Let's take a short break, and then we can talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and my guest today is Rashi Kosla, founder and CEO of Mars Solution Group, a talent solution firm And we've been spending most of this time talking about a program that Rashi developed and runs um, as part of Mars Solutions called Returnship. So Rashi, tell us a little bit more about the mentoring and how people can get involved. And really, I'm thinking about it from kind of all the aspects, how you become a participant, if you want to engage in this from the outside to Mm-hmm. help build up the people coming back to work, how uh, any of our listeners who may know companies that are hiring, if they mm-hmm. wanted, you know, if they knew any of the employers that would be interested in finding out more about this, kind of how how do you um, find different mm-hmm. ways to, to get people here? Yeah, no, uh, so let me start with perhaps the clients and the potential clients' employers. So the way they, how we find them is, essentially just, you know, we have a team of business development folks and we have marketing efforts that um, allow us to reach the the potential employers. But once there's an interest, the way they engage with us is um, two ways. One, they could, well, actually three ways. So one is <laughs> <laughs> just come in with no obligation, essentially get a preview of the program by volunteering. Mm-hmm. What we say is if you want to come in and uh, just 20 minutes is what it takes to help uh, conduct a mock interview 
for a returner before they actually have interviews. We want them to have six or seven mock interviews. Okay. So at this point, when uh, you sign up to do a mock interview, you have what I call a front row seat to the talent. You could, in back of your mind, be, and we've made many, many placements just through that channel because we've had mock interviewers come back and say, listen, we were really pleased with this returner that we ha- you know, displayed the engagement that we think is a great cultural fit for our company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the very basic form of engagement is volunteering, providing mentorship, mentors through your large organizations. Um, and I mean, there's many, many large organizations in the area, which I wouldn't name right now, but they, they have uh, women resource group that would come in and do mock interviews, would share their journeys with us. And uh, that that is like a basic form of engagement. Allows you to learn, get deep into the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then second level is to then say, all right, you have this talent. We're running these uh, cohorts of program throughout the year. So at any point you are able to come in and say, show me what you have available. So we give you access to our available talent that's ready to work. You could interview and then come back and say, you know, we really enjoy working with this person, but they're lacking A, B, and C. And that in that case, we'd say, sure, give us six weeks and we'll build those skills. Sometimes the employers come back and say they require certain certifications, which we then work with our cohort members to obtain. You know, we'll help them pay for and, and they'll go through that. And the third way they engage, which is a very custom way, is to say we love the program. We, you know, we know you have talent, but here's my need. In fact, the the one of the custom cohorts that we did, uh, the employer didn't come to us because they were seeking diversity. They didn't come to us because they were seeking, uh, you know, the like additional talent. I mean, this large company, the, this particular department had niche technology skills, and they were finding that they couldn't retain people. Oh, they would hire yes, and this was very specialized skill set and they said you know I'm tired of bringing these consultants paying big dollars and then losing them within a year after they acquire skills and what we did is we built this program and um, our program managers at the Mars Returnship they're very highly qualified individuals that have both academia experience as well as um, experience with the industry so we're able to partner and say well here's what would be required from your team let's build this curriculum hire people that we think would be amazing culture fit for you mm-hmm. and uh, put them through this program. So it's a very customized experience. And uh, we've had, you know, a huge success rate with doing that. And at the end of it, they define what the success criteria would be for this cohort member. Uh, so so those are three different ways ranging from just being a volunteer and to hiring from our program, the, mm-hmm. the production of talent that we already have, to just saying, I want to use the concept of your program, but my needs are very, very specialized. You need to bring me. Uh, so this particular cohort, we had some veterans returning to work. Um, and actually, on that note, we've been talking a lot about returning uh, individual to workforce in technology, but there are two other work streams which I would want uh, our audience to know about as well, and we've since expanded into it. So returner by definition means you've worked in technology workforce and you're coming back. Um, so primarily we're upskilling you, but we do have two additional work stream. One is career changers, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, these are individuals that may not necessarily, and I'm a career changer, self-taught. I did not go to school for technology education, but uh, learned that myself. So we we do uh, take 
certain number of career changers and now the program is a little bit different for them because they need a little bit longer time sure. frame to be mm-hmm. changing the career and then the third one which is the smallest component and I know there's programs out there that do just that and it's called career acceleration where um, you know college graduates recent graduates don't necessarily have the skills that align with what's needed in the marketplace so you may go through a technology degree but there's still like lack of integration or alignment between what's actual workplace right. requiring. So so right. we do entertain career changers, career accelerators in addition to returners as well. So I know I'm going all over the places, but I want to make sure that I'm <laughs> answering yeah, no, where you're heading with that. That's great. That's a lot of different offerings mm-hmm. and I think that's that is what's gonna build up our mm-hmm. our pool of talent, of talent yes, yes. across all the different types of firms and mm-hmm. really drive the future yeah. of of workforce oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of workforce of business of success mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, the technology the statistics are uh, 25 to 30% that nationally there's only 25% of women that are represented in technology workforce um, and mm. i don't know what that's like in investment arena for you heather but that's technology um, and it's not getting solved through your traditional talent pipelines and companies want role models in senior positions and to start that you need to start with the mid-level so that gender diversity is huge Um, other reasons then companies are looking for programs like returnship is uh, just in general the the diversity of of um, you know so we partner with certain programs here that are taking underprivileged resources and training them in technology and sometimes we'll take their graduate and put them through our program Mm -hmm. so essentially being able to uh, give them access to this this pool of talent that helps them meet their diversity goals uh, which is so important yeah yeah again the different Mm -hmm. experience different voice different Mm -hmm. backgrounds it's all important um, Mm -hmm. to really have a just a broader view yes. and different perspectives that can enhance and challenge one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Rashi, thank you so much for for joining us today and for sharing. I've learned very, very much about um, this type of uh, program and the work that you do, and it's really got me thinking about how it'll just benefit all as yes. we move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for you know anybody that's a potential returner or knows a returner, the best place to start is at uh, you know www.marsreturnship.com okay. or you know that's our uh, website address and we're on LinkedIn and other platforms to be uh, connected with. Yeah, that's or just great. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very You're much welcome, for Heather. today, and I and I do hope that that um, listeners reach out to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So as a reminder, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to learn more about Ellen Becker Investment Group and our upcoming events, you can visit ellenbecker.com or call the office at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.